Welcome to the Spindrift Podcast with me, Aoife Glass. Spindrift is a podcast all about bikes, cycling, people and adventure. Each week I'm joined by a different brilliant guest from pro riders to industry insiders and from community advocates to everyday adventurers. Expect chilled chats, excellent stories and more. This episode, I'm joined by Inez Tomar, pro MTB racer on the Enduro World Series. She chats about how she made the transition from ski racing to cross-country mountain bike racing to Enduro, why she loves mass start races, her favourite EWS venues, and how she's been keeping happy and riding while pregnant. Inez, it's really great to speak to you. Uh, thanks for giving me the time to chat with you this evening. How are you doing? Yeah, thank you very much. Very excited. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, I'm actually very good. I just had my online yoga pregnancy class. <laughs> so I'm very relaxed now, very calm. Feeling very and... zen. Mm, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> um, and we're going to talk a bit more about... Um, about your pregnancy she's very exciting and riding and yoga as well i mean basically there's so much we can talk about here um in this. but let's let's start off with the cycling and back in in the mm-hmm. the past uh, back in back in your history of cycling and then we'll we'll come up to the present and get stuck into the details along the way so um so let's let's start off start off with how you got into cycling in the first place were you always into cycling and did you cycle as a kid and then cycle all the way through or is it something that you got into and went out of and got back into how, how did it work for you yeah actually i never stopped cycling and i was always into cycling <laughs> <laughs> so uh quite classic i uh, started really young uh, i live in the mountains and uh, we did like ski racing as small kids you know like very small and yeah uh, just for fun and um we had a ski teacher and um he said uh, to the parents basically that the kids should do something in summer just to stay a bit active not like proper training we were only like four years old (laughs) it was more like do something in summer with the kids and then yeah my parents bought us these bikes my brother and me and we started cycling and uh that's how we started and as a kid i was already super competitive Uh (laughs) my parents sometimes they laugh now like I never wanted to ride with them like they thought we could do like big Sunday loops with the family and I already after 2k I was like oh I'm out of breath and I can't do this but when I had the number played on yeah I was like fully motivated (laughs) went full speed but i uh, didn't want to do anything else in racing wow so you always Um, always had that competitive spirit and and at what point was there a point where you made the switch from from racing like from ski racing to mountain bike racing yeah and and what what caused that yeah it was just too much, I guess. Like as yeah. a kid, we just did both. And then it got more and more professional. Yeah. Um, I got into the German national team in cross country. Wow. And then at one point, I just it was just too much. So I had to decide. Yeah. And I have always been a bit better in cycling. And I enjoyed it a bit more, I think. Yeah. And then 
I remember my last skiing year was maybe 14 and I broke my collarbone and then I couldn't finish the season and then it was kind of easy to do the decision so I went for mountain biking which I'm really glad now I did uh, that step and I didn't stay with the skiing. Yeah. I mean I'm <laughs> sure you've been an amazing ski racer but I think we're all glad that we can watch you mountain biking. Yeah next. I think yeah mountain biking is just uh, better yeah so I'm, I'm happy it's good for the knees as well. <laughs> yes. All the skiers they have really um, bad knees. <laughs> and mm -hmm. do you do you find that some of the skills you had from from skiing were useful for mountain biking and vice versa? Like, I don't know how you read terrain or, you know, your familiarity with speed. Do you think there was anything that sort of one helped the other there? If I remember it right, I think I had a really good power ratio when I was younger. Yeah. So the, the coaches in summer, um, they always said, like, I didn't really train in the gym yeah. for riding because I just still had that from the winter ah. so maybe that kind of uh, leg power. Skiing is amazing for the thigh muscles. Yeah so that was it but at that time I did cross country which is like pure endurance and the skiing was like uh, you know how long is an alpine ski run yeah. two minutes or something I think it would fit better now with enduro yeah. Uh, at that time, uh, it was kind of the opposite, but uh, I'm sure it always helps you when you stay active and do different kind of movements when you're young. I always thought I yeah. hated sport when I was young. And if I'd only known about cycling and snowboarding and skiing when I was young, mm -hmm. then I think yeah. things could have been different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Eh? Like, uh, I, didn't, I didn't like school sport, for example, at yeah. all. I, <laughs> I never really liked gymnastics or anything with a ball in my hand like basketball something I was never really interested. So yeah, it really depends eh, what you discover when you're young. Do you think that there's more of um, more opportunity to, to try different sports like that, you know, in, in Europe compared to the UK or, or, you know, sort of where you were in Germany um, and also because you were in the mountains as well? The mountain sports for sure here, like every kid is skiing, mm. basically. Um, but mountain biking is still not... A very common sport, like especially enduro. I have a lot of parents now and kids um, sending me messages because I, I did some kids clinics last season when there was the COVID and not much happening. I did yeah. some kids stuff. And then so many kids ask me like they want to start this enduro thing, but there's n no club, no racing, wow. nothing really. So I'm not uh, really sure if Germany is the best country for that. It's for sure good for skiing where I live, yeah. good for soccer for many things but mountain biking i don't know it's not better than the uk i would say so then going back to cross country and that is not that enduro isn't but cross country is a hard discipline yeah. Yeah, <laughs> how did <really>? you <laughs> how did you how did you find it and, and do you miss it i don't know <laughs> you know when you are into something you don't really know anything else yeah so i was definitely loving it but looking back it's hard yeah definitely hard and i'm i'm very glad i did the change i think enduro definitely fits me better yeah um but uh yeah i don't regret anything it's a good sport yeah i i had really good times uh, met a lot of cool people and traveled the world already really young it's i like the competition i still like must start racing maybe that's 
the kind mm. of competition I miss. Yeah. Um, so when I started enduro, that was also the races which really attracted me. And still, I love the Mega Avalanche. Yeah. Uh, but it's just not so many races around um, still. But I think mass start is just the best when you're at the start line and you just go all together. That's that's amazing. Nothing terrifies me more than the idea of being. Does at it? The... <laughs> so my limited, and by limited I mean one experience of a mass start race was attempting to do the mega avalanche many years ago it was the year when the weather was so bad that oh, half yeah, the yeah. field went home because it was just yeah. mud <clears throat> and because of because i'd um i was on a place because i got a, a media place they put mm -hmm. me on the front row and i am not <laughs> a racer and i was like there's like professional athletes either side of me and i was like that's it I'm going to die. I am actually going to die in about five minutes. I'm either going to die because they're going to run over me or because the, I don't know, field of riders behind me is going to run over me. So my strategy was to roll to the side and just let everyone go. And then I followed them down the mountain. So that was it. So but for me, I, no. I think you should give it another try. Maybe you had a bad start into all of this. You know, bad weather, first roll. <laughs> I think you should go back. Sunshine. Stay behind a bit and then I think you again. might be right. Yeah, I think I'd feel less nervous if I tried it now. I've done a bit more writing, but yeah, that was terrifying. So um, going back to the cross country then, because you've you've ridden in, in loads of places around the world, you competed for cross country. Am I right in thinking you were at the Fort William cross country? Mm -hmm. What was that like? Mm -hmm. It was sick. That was so good. Like uh, my first time in Scotland, obviously I was only... I don't know, 16 or something. Wow. And yeah, the whole experience was great. Yeah, it was really good. The race was good too, I remember. I really liked the track because it was quite technical at that time compared mm. to other World Cups. And I was always preferring the more technical tracks. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I kind of wish we'd have another World Cup cross-country there because I'd love to see, especially how cross-country <laughs> sort of changed a lot in the last few years, I'd love to see mm. that happen. <laughs> Would you be mm -hmm. tempted to go back into cross-country at all now, seeing how the tracks have changed and the racing is a lot more technical? It would probably suit me better now, yeah, because yeah. of the more technical trails. But no, no, <laughs> I'm very happy with Enduro. <laughs> and Enduro is to be very happy with you. So <laughs> when did you first hear about Enduro? What was your awareness of Enduro? And when did you when did you go, oh, do you know what, I want to give this a go. This looks like a race format I want to try. Like the reason why I stopped cross-country was basically some knee injuries I had yeah so I I wasn't really competitive anymore I had to do two surgeries and I almost missed one whole season and I was kind of at the level where I didn't really know what to do if I should go back and try it again but mm -hmm. I, I wasn't sure if I can make the step back to the top and I was yeah a little bit confused and then I went to a bike festival and there was an enduro race and I had my marathon bike with me yeah and it was like at that time in Germany enduro was so different than it is today it was basically a must start down a flow trail and that they call that enduro and I did that with my marathon bike and I just thought it's great basically maybe because I didn't have any pressure you know yeah. like I had these surgeries and in cross country I had so much pressure and this new thing I probably would have done anything it was mountain biking but for me it was just fun like yeah. just like a party discipline and I was like <laughs> oh that's that's cool and then I met some new friends and they said oh we go to this mega avalanche thing and I was like oh cool I'm coming <laughs> and I just borrowed a bike I didn't have a dropper post so I had to stop wow. and put up the oh. seat again and um, yeah so 
like the first season for me was really so different from the professionalism of the cross country scene, yeah. which I just enjoyed. And uh, yeah, at that time it was not a professional sport or I didn't think it was. For me, it wasn't. Maybe for other people it already was. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it was just fun to travel to these events and do the mustard races. So of all the all the ones that you've tried, could you could you give us a rundown of like so the precursors mm -hmm. to the EWS? So what kind of races were there, and what ones did you like, and why? So did uh, there was the bike attack in Lenzerheide. There mm -hmm. was a big mustard one, which was really good. There was one called Gang Battle in Saalbach Hinterglem in Austria, uh, which was which was awesome. Flims Lags in Switzerland. They always had the trail fork, uh, mega avalanche, obviously. Yeah, these ones, just like ones you could take the car and go to. Yeah. And um, many mustard ones and also many multi-day ones mm. where there was like a chainless race the first night or one like with, uh, with lights in the evening and stuff like that. And then wow. there was like an overall ranking. Um, so it was um, the first year I didn't do many enduro format races which we have now the enduro format yeah and uh, probably because of that the change was easier for me because obviously i was still very fit from cross country mm. and exactly these races like the mustard ones they had 20 30 40 50 minutes of race time so it yeah. was not that hard for me to do the the step i think if you go now from cross country to ews which is like more like a downhill race uh, the the change would be harder yeah, although I have been seeing quite a few of the cross country racers training with downhillers over the off season. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. But that changed a lot because they are so good in technical skills now. Um, and at the time when I did cross country, we didn't really train so much technical stuff. Yeah. It was, uh, was for sure different. Like the, if you see them riding now, it's amazing what they can do on the cross country bike. I know. So cool. I know, especially when we're sort of used to bikes with like sort of long travel and drop a seat pace so they're flying yeah, off yeah. stuff that i would no way will i be trying that on yeah. that bike <laughs> yeah and the tires and no grip it's uh yeah it's impressive for yeah. sure yeah it's really good to watch um, I, 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 modern I, cross country I love i love watching all disciplines but cross country is definitely like come on quite a lot but let's <laughs> not do do enduro town obviously when the enduro world series came along how did you mm -hmm. first get involved in in that was there some, did you know that there was something brewing that you wanted to get involved in or how did that play out so yeah so after this first season i did which i just said with the multi-day races um there was one more season before ews mm -hmm. um where some small series started so we had a german enduro series which was already the normal uh, enduro format which we have now mm -hmm. um i did some super enduro in italy yeah. so i was definitely aware of this sport and of the format i already started to train specifically for that um, i had an enduro bike uh, then so i was aware of the scene but i still didn't think it's gonna be such a big professional thing yeah um, i guess yeah and i was sponsored by kenyan already because i was in a cross-country team which was co-sponsored by just kenyan the bike brand yeah and then they came up to me and they said uh, that a world cup is starting in that discipline and that they want me on board so that was uh yeah that was amazing so i really i didn't have to look out for a team which is just <laughs> yeah just so good it's just a checkpoint so they uh, they said we are doing this team and we have um, four professional rider and if I want to join and I just finished my studies so I had time I was like oh cool wow oh, 
from the very um, beginning. And well, from before yeah, the very, very beginning. beginning. For for anyone who sort of you know wasn't really aware of enduro back when it started, the first EWS to, to because mm -hmm. it, it has changed a lot to what it looks like mm -hmm. now, and I guess it's been. You know, sort of trying things and changing things, and people's approach to riding has changed. The bikes have changed massively. What are the the big changes that you've noticed, and what does that mean for you as a as a competitor in the sport? The big change is the professionalism. I yeah. think the more and more professional it was, I think that uh, cursed the the big changes. So when we started in Punta Ala, everything was more adventurous. I would say. Yeah. So that. Like, for example, there was not the same rule for every event. Yeah. Like, every round had their own rules. Let's say in France, for example, we had two practice days and we raced the same trail two times in a row. Or sometimes we didn't even have the, had a practice day. So we just went down one time to practice, but you were not allowed to stop in that run. Wow. And the next run was a timed run. God. So, like... Many things like that. Italy was completely different and yeah. every round was different. And the whole adventure character, uh, character was on. So the organizer, Chris Ball, he's a proper adventure man. And so, for example, we all had quite big backpacks. Like if you yeah. watch, if you look at the pictures now, <laughs> we all look like amateurs in a way because you have a quite big backpack with a camel bag and extra water bottles. Um, yeah. Quite often we had a small helmet for transition and mm -hmm. a full face attached to the backpack for the stage. When the years went on and on, I think there was more money involved. Yeah. So the teams got more professional. There was more money. And so the team managers, they really wanted more structure, more similar rules for every round, yeah. like easier overview. And that all ended up in a race format, which is not, can't say it's more boring now. It's just more strict yeah it's like exactly always the same amount of practice days always the same amount of this and that's um definitely shorter days in general yeah and more downhill st style of racing i would say yeah shorter stages less climbing but uh yeah the whole equipment changed uh, less protection yes less water less weight less backpacks uh, you like now it's proper multi-downhill day. Mm. So each stage is like a, a small downhill race. I suppose one of the things that's interesting with Enduro as well is that you don't have, like downhill has like several days to memorize one track. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you've mm -hmm. got not that much time to attempt mm -hmm. to memorize or at least familiarize mm -hmm. yourselves with like four, five, six tracks. What's your approach to that? Do you memorize it? Do you just try and remember, okay, there's that thing there that I'm not, you know, I need to remember about that. How do you process that vast quantity of information and then remember that when you're flying down a mountain at speed? I, I also think that uh, this point got more important yeah. because um, the level went up and the times are closer now. Yeah. So I would say like eight years ago in the EWS, there was more room for mistakes and now as you say you really have to be almost as precise as a downhill racer yeah. and uh, so yeah many people do track walk I do track walk as well but I can't say it's like the thing to do like Sam Hill doesn't really do track walk too much so uh, I don't for me it works not for everybody yeah but I try to walk the stages all of them if I can and then do already some notes on spots where I want to stop and practice and where I don't want to stop and practice so I don't lose too much time. And then yeah. we do GoPro, the practice run, and then I watch the GoPro. I really try to learn not every line that's too much. You can't 
Yeah. yeah, but every uh, big breaking point or the points where you don't have to break. <laughs> like, yeah. That's uh, for me the main thing. If there's something blind, like a blind rise or something, and you know you don't have to break there, or there's an uphill coming, like more, even more the flat stages, I think, are the more important ones to memorize. Yeah. When you know where to carry speed, because that's uh -huh. the point where you really lose, um, lose time. Yeah, I'm really impressed by the riders like... Who's a good example? Martin Mez, for example. He's mm -hmm. so good in not spending a lot of time in practice and not track walking really, and then just so much feeling for the for the trail and still going in such a crazy speed. So yeah, you have to be really spontaneous rider, I think. <laughs> Because the tracks change a lot. Yeah. That's also okay. something you easily forget. Like when, when we practice, for example, the pros which start last in the race, they're still The amateur practice in between then there's the ews 100 race like the amateur race yeah and then there's the main race and we start last so sometimes be between practice and my race run there would be like seven or eight hundred people went down <laughs> and when it, like you can imagine when it's wet or like any sandy condition or anything like yeah. that the track is completely different <laughs> and um yeah so it's also the wrong way to memorize everything and trying yeah. to stick to that plan you ha really have to be open flexible yeah is that one of the things that you like about it the fact that you, it's yeah. like you have to think on your think on your feet as you ride yeah definitely i think that's the the great thing in enduro one of them like uh, we do so many different trails and each corner you don't 100 know what's coming up do you watch as well as ride do you ever watch yourself afterwards or do you watch sort of the recaps or do you just like no i'm just gonna focus on the actual riding part of it i do i yeah. think you i think you can learn a lot when you watch yourself riding yeah no, I, i do that yeah and then you really see the mistakes from outside oh. and you're like exactly <laughs> Do you take in much of what's going on around you or do you need to sort of watch it afterwards to go, oh man, that track had this amazing view off to the left and I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When you race yourself, you don't notice too much. Like you don't have time. The mm. transition times, they're not super stressful, but the, the times are tight. Like you really, you don't have time for anything really. You yeah. just go, you eat, you drink, uh, helmet on and off and uh, it's so strict in a way and you're so focused over the whole day as you say like when there's an amazing view on the stage you would 100% don't notice that <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah and last year actually because i didn't race in finale in pietra mm -hmm. the first time ever since punta ala yeah i watched an ews the first time from outside in eight years um so that was an amazing experience actually i was uh Not sure if I should go down and watch because I thought maybe it's hard for me to watch or yeah I don't know I wasn't sure and I went and I really don't regret it at all it's like I can just recommend to anybody um, who is into that sport to go and watch it live it's yeah like hopefully after COVID again um, yeah to go and watch because this the speed like I never watched the girls from outside really mm. it was so interesting to see. The other girls, uh, which are normally my competition, to watch them and see uh, their riding style and uh, the good thing, the mistakes um, was really cool. And uh, yeah, the boys race for sure as well. Like the the speed level is incredible. Were you so, cheering people on as they were coming down the hill? Yeah, full speed, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like the most fanatic. Um, 
um, how do you say, watcher, <laughs> spectator, yeah. spectator, on the whole event, I watched every stage, I had wow. the e-bike, so I just went from stage to stage, oh, fully motivated spectator. So within within Enduro, like what, what bits do you love about Enduro, or are there any bits that you're like, nah, not so keen on that? I love a lot about Enduro, mm. I have to say. I think that's really the reason why I do that sport for so many years now. Yeah. Um, and I always say, maybe one more year and then I never <laughs> stop because I really like um, that the EWS venues change so much mm. that we get to see so many places. I think the scene is great. Like, it's not um, it's not a lie when I say that most of the girls I'm racing with are actual friends. It's yeah. like it's so good to be um, in that scene. Um, everybody is really friendly and helpful. So we have a really good vibe. Like, the choice of the trails are most of the time really good. Like, when I compare it now to cross-country, for example, yeah, I went to the cross-country world champs in Rotorua, for example, and you go there and you train for one week on this one loop. And mm. after... I, you cannot really say that you discovered the place, I think. And Enduro, they have to provide, let's say, 10 or 12 trails. You definitely see 10 amazing trails in, a, in an area. Yeah. And, and afterwards, you can really say that you were there. And I think that's, uh, that's amazing. Do you have a, a favourite EWS venue? Of all time, you think? Oh, yeah, go on. Um, oh, top three. Go on. We might as well give three. it top oh, three, right. just to make it a bit oh, easier. Three. And also, okay. so yeah. I can use this for my holiday destination. <laughs> Perfect. So there was one in Chile. The first round in Chile was in Nevados de Chilean was the name, I think. And there was like this amazing place. So there was definitely somewhere you have to go. Okay. Um, I really like the Dolomites. I think uh, Kanazai is going to be really good again. And it's not so far for people to travel. Yeah. So everybody who hasn't been to the Dolomites, it's uh, just amazing that we have that place in the center of Europe. It's just beautiful. And what else was the best? Like from experience-wise, Colombia was definitely, oh, yeah. definitely so cool. But uh, it's not not about the riding. Like yeah. riding-wise, yeah, Whistler is better or Latuil or Pietra. Yeah, but the mixture of exoticness, yeah. riding, the stoke of the people in Colombia, that was just unreal. Yeah. Uh, so it was this massive um, city, Manizales, like... Maybe like one million people living there wow. or something. Like quite a huge town. I can't really remember, but really a lot of people. And I remember we arrived there the first day and went into a shopping center. And people came up to us and they said, oh, are you EWS racers? <laughs> like they knew. And, you know, when you have a race in Europe, you know, like nobody would really know. Nobody really knows EWS and anything. And the people there, they had such a high stoke level. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Colombia, definitely a place to recommend. I think that's one of the other things that's been interesting about the EWS is it's highlighted areas that actually have really strong ride culture. But for some reason don't necessarily have the global races going there. So it's really good to have to have like. You know, World Series mm-hmm. events taking place there. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably hard eh, to host an event. Mm. It's quite expensive, and you need a proper big organization crew. So yeah, it would be cool. It would be cool to have more races in Asia, for example. As yeah, well. I know this sounds like um, a superficial question, but it is one that I I'm very interested in. What is your go-to trail snack? What do you eat to keep you powered up when you're riding? Or does it depend on whether you're racing or just going out for fun? Yeah, it really depends. It really <laughs> depends. Let's talk about last season, which was odd, 
So I have to say that I still had a really good season. Like yeah. uh, my feeling was still good. I can't complain too much. I I started to race really early. So I did some races in Italy already January, February. Yeah. So when we knew that the first EWSs are not going to happen, it was maybe April, I think. Yeah. March or April. But I always thought there's going to be racing and I want to be prepared. So I never stopped really. Yeah. I, it was for sure there was this, the first lockdown some weeks, which was a bit odd because we were just training, but we didn't 100% know for yeah. what. Yeah. But uh, it was not so long. Like I, we were just training at home. We had the advantage Germany that we were always allowed to go outside and train. Yeah. Like uh, my colleagues in France, for example, they had some weeks where they could only go out for an hour or something. Yeah. Uh, so we never had that in Germany. I think we had really good opportunities to just go out and ride. Um, so, yeah, when the first races started again in June, we, I did some in Czech Republic and in Germany. I was uh, I was on a good level and I uh, was feeling good. So, yeah. And uh, I did the Mega Avalanche in August, which was kind of my highlight. Because it was the last race before uh, I found out that I was pregnant. So, and it was, it's one of my favorite races anyway, and I won it. So, I was uh, looking back, definitely, uh, I was very glad I did that. You know, when you have a change, it always gives you opportunities as well. Like uh, the fact that we stayed so much at home and we had a bit more time. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of uh, stories, we did some uh, lockdown diary, like we did uh, small micro adventures close to home, yeah. did a lot of shootings, some video projects and stuff. I normally don't have time in the season. Yeah. Really? Yeah. For me, I really couldn't complain at all. Yeah. So one of the things that you just mentioned, and I'd quite like to talk a bit more about if you don't mind, is your pregnancy. How exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is exciting. <laughs> so... Yeah. How um, do you mind me asking how long how long you've got left until your due date? Uh, seven weeks. What? So not long now then? <laughs> no, no. The time is flying. It's crazy. Yeah. What's it been like um, during the pregnancy? Because following your Instagram, you have kept going as far as we can tell, doing pretty much everything you'd always do. That you've been riding bikes, you've been out and about doing stuff. How have you found that? It's okay but it's not it's not so easy because it changes yeah all the time it changes constantly so things you can still do today you can't do tomorrow right um and um so i really learned a lot about my body as well you have to really listen to the body and uh, the baby tells you straight away when it was too much <laughs> uh, because you can't sleep the next night uh. because it's moving a lot and uh, so I was like oh that was too much or something so it was interesting yeah like uh, I think for everybody who is the first time pregnant you really don't know what's happening yeah and so yeah every week things change but yeah I'm I'm happy I uh, was still writing yesterday for a little video project for Kenyan and I kind of think it was my last big adventure. Right. <laughs> I think now it's it's time to um, stop a bit. But it was still fine. I cool. took the e-bike and um, yeah, it was cool. So you you can definitely do a lot when you when you're healthy. Mm. Like some people for sure have more problems. Yeah. And they have to stop earlier. But I was super lucky, and I'm really happy about that. No big issues so far <laughs> what kind of response have you had because I, I know from talking to other people more uk based that when they've mentioned mm -hmm. that they want to cycle and maybe the medical professions professionals that mm -hmm. they deal with aren't familiar with cycling some of them will go oh no you shouldn't be cycling when you're pregnant 
but mm-hmm. there's no issue mm-hmm. with, with doing that if it feels right, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, I really didn't have too many problems with it. Like I got um, quite a couple of messages on social media from women telling me, oh, that's so cool that you're still active because I did that and I got kind of a bit of shitstorm from people telling me, stuff and i'm like yeah that's so stupid i i didn't have uh, any bad comments or anything maybe because i'm uh, i am or i was or however professional cyclist so people think it's okay if she does that yeah but i think everybody should really do what he thinks i think it's so individual pregnancy as well yeah for sure i did i had to make decisions as well like for example i decided not to race yeah um it was quite a decision to to take because the first weeks like um, most of people know probably that you until the 12th week of pregnancy you kind of don't tell anybody because it's Mm -hmm. not so sure how it goes and if the baby stays and stuff and then in that time you really feel completely normal you have no belly you have you could easy race yeah but then you also have the responsibility and I decided not to race um, which I don't know if it was good or not you never know but yeah I feel good I felt good with the decision. So it's not like I just did everything. It's yeah, um, yeah I also I also had to make some calls. <laughs> <laughs> what pregnancy adventures have you been on riding? When with the belly growing, yeah. Um I realized that anything upright is definitely better than uh, too low yeah. because you squeeze the belly. Yes. <laughs> it's a bit uncomfortable. Uh, so yeah, the last uh, weeks I was using the e-bike a lot and I did um, one or two rides with the gravel bike last week, uh, two weeks ago and I found out it's not upright uh, enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I changed to uh, like yesterday, for example, I used the uh, e-bike hardtail, like not a very exciting bike, yeah. but uh, I'm quite upright and um, that feels feels really nice. So we took that and then went into the mountains and did some ski touring. Oh, so nice. we took the skis on the backpack yeah. and everything upright, like cross-country skiing or ski touring and stuff like mm-hmm. that, um, it's really, really good. Not too bumpy. Yeah. You must have to keep tweaking the suspension because presumably, obviously, mm-hmm. you're growing a baby. So that's going to add weight to the, to the mm, inner package. I did add weight. <laughs> so how <laughs> yeah. often do you have to... Are you like, so every time you go out, do you have to like step on the scales and go, oh, okay, I need a little bit more air pressure in here now? Not not too much, actually. I think I added about 10 kilos now or something. I'm not 100% sure, 10, I think. And But with the addition of the weight, the speed goes so oh, down, you know? Yes. So, like, normally my suspension setup is quite harsh, as any rider is quite, in, yeah. quite hard uh, suspension. And um, so I think it's... I almost left it the same because I'm riding so slow now <laughs> that I need softer suspension. <laughs> <laughs> so I... Didn't have to um, adjust too much. And do you find that, like, when when you are going over um, lumps, do you feel that in your tummy? Like, yeah, when there's bumps, um, I for sure go slow. It doesn't feel good if you go fast over yeah. like uh, bumps. So the the more bumps there are, the just uh, slower you go, and then it's fine. I kind of stopped riding automatically <laughs> in winter time because we had too much snow in January, yeah. and I thought maybe it's also time for me to stop now. Um, but then we went down to Tuscany for a book project I do at the moment. And then um, it was dry and sunny and I just started writing again. <laughs> and I realized it's still possible. Okay. So, yeah, we'll see. I don't know how long I still write. I can tell you in seven weeks. <laughs> we'll come, we'll come back to you on that one and see how that's, how that's worked. <laughs> 
And then what about afterwards? I, I guess it's globally, we don't really know what's happening this year with, mm -hmm. with racing and stuff. So it's a bit of an odd year, like who knows what's going to happen anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but then from your perspective, and I know this is early days because, you know, we've still got seven weeks before the wee one appears yet. Um, mm -hmm. In as much as it's possible to have plans, do you have plans for, for what you'd like to how you'd like this year to pan out? So I was trying really hard not to do plans for the first month. Mm. Um, people told me not to plan too much yeah. in the first month. And as I'm a person who loves to plan and <laughs> loves to plan too much, I tried to step back from that a little bit. Yeah. So like sponsorship wise, I am doing a break year. Yeah. If you can say that. Um, so that was really easy. My sponsors have been great. That's really I was good. speaking to Kenyan in November, I think. And they just said, I take kind of one year off. I'm still part of the team, but I don't have to do anything. If yeah. I want to do stuff, I will. And I have already some ideas what I could do. Maybe want to do a road trip with my boyfriend and do a story with that. And I had yeah. a meeting with Komoot today to do some stuff. And I'm going to do some e-bike stuff for Kenyan. Brilliant. So I have some ideas. Um, as I said before, we'd, we are doing a trail book about Tuscany. Nice. And so at the moment, I'm writing a lot of these texts and depending a bit when it gets published, it's probably going to keep me busy until the summer. <laughs> so I have some plans, but I, know, I don't want to do too much and I yeah. don't want to uh, plan certain dates. It's yeah. more like uh, if I want to, I can do stuff, Yeah. Um, but I don't have to. So that would be the dream, yeah. um, like <laughs> what I try to do. Mm -hmm. That's good to have like stuff to aim for, but then yeah, not being too rigid about it. And it sounds yeah, really exciting. Exactly. And and mm -hmm. one of the things that so I meant to, meant to mention before was that that whole idea of e-bikes being great for pregnancy as well. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that yeah. it means you can I, keep riding. Yeah, really. Like really, I didn't. Uh, I never appreciated e-bikes more than now. I have <laughs> to say, like when they came up, I also thought they are really uncool. Like everybody, it's yeah. like oh, e-bike, and. Like, if I'm really honest, still, maybe last year, I found out that they are great fun. And I did shootings, but I still, when I was out in the mountains, I always never really appreciated the people on the e-bikes as much as the other ones. Yeah. I always thought, <laughs> it's not as cool, but now I really see the huge advantage. Yeah. Like, that I can still go up the mountains and same for people who are maybe not as fit or not don't have time for training so much and there's so many different reasons my dad got an artificial knee in december and he's already riding again on his e-bike um so i think now i think e-bikes are great mm -hmm. yep sold on it them changed, changed my perspective for <laughs> sure perfect <laughs> presumably as soon as the little one is able there'll be a you know there'll be a balanced bike and then there'll be like a mm, i have already one oh! <laughs> that was my first present from kenyan they sent me this wooden uh, balance bike. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's maybe a bit big. It's maybe, st I don't know if it's with one year already. No, I think it's more like two years. Uh, the little one can use it. It's at the moment, it's a deco article in our apartment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's, it's like, is there going to be a lot of bike themed things for the, for the baby? Yeah. Bike toys, <laughs> bike wallpaper, bike books. Not that I really try, but uh, I think it's going to be automatically. Yeah. For example, my mom is suing a lot of things. Yeah. And then uh, already now she did a present for my boyfriend and one of his old jumpers with his sponsors on. She oh. did like a very cute, tiny little 
uh, close oh. to thing. Like a, how do you call that? Like a jumpsuit thing. A baby crow, <laughs> but with bike sponsors. That is yeah. so cute. So, yeah, it's going to be biked. Do you find, not not necessarily related to the baby, that um, as a cyclist or as someone who's got like a an own passion for something, that you get your, your presents when you have like birthdays and Christmases, do people buy you biked themed things? They go, oh, Inez likes bikes, mm, we'll buy yeah. her like a bicycle pizza cutter and a, a cup with a bicycle yeah. on it. Do you have a lot of yeah. them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is which is good. I like bikes, so it's fine. Yeah, no, me too. Yeah. No, I totally do. I'm not. I'm not dissuading anyone. For, yes, yes. I have yeah. like three bicycle pizza cutters, which is I fine because I like to eat pizza, so that's all fine. And yeah, and I got a bicycle teapot, which is pretty cool. Oh, mm. nice. Yeah, treasured possession. So yeah, you can drop that as a hint for people nowadays. The <laughs> thing that you haven't got in your collection: bicycle teapot. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, Inez, every week I ask my guests uh, if they have a, a cause or a charity that's close to their heart that they'd like to give a shout out to. Mm-hmm. Who would you like to uh, name? So I would like to name World Bicycle Relief. Um, I got to know them years ago already because the like the base is in Schweinfurt, West Ram also mm-hmm. um, works. And uh, yeah, I did some charities for them. I think the, the work is, is great. So... The idea, I think, is so good. It's so simple to use bicycles for mobility and for equality and giving people opportunity. What I actually like a lot is the sustainability of the idea. Mm -hmm. So because I think many of these projects, you give stuff to people and when it's broken, it's not getting used anymore. And they also have bike mechanics down there. So they don't provide just bikes, but they also get fixed there, the bikes. The bikes are super simple. So you don't need a lot of tools to fix them. They're yeah. Yeah, super long-lasting, um, these Buffalo bikes. And uh, so, yeah, it really gives the people an opportunity for many years yeah. to use their bike to create their own uh, business or yeah, to provide education opportunities. So, yeah, really good idea. Inez, thank you so much for joining me for a chat today. It's been brilliant to talk to you. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much. It was really great. Uh, thankful for the invitation and uh, hope hope to ride again soon. Yeah. It was a, have been a while since we rode together. I know, yeah. So, so hopefully we'll get a chance to ride together. And if not, <laughs> hopefully we'll get a chance to watch some racing, socially distanced yeah. racing at some point. That would be good too. <laughs> exactly. Thank you very much. Cool. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Spindrift podcast. My guest this episode was Enduro World Series racer Inez Tomar. As ever, I'll be popping all the links and info up on the Spindrift Podcast website. If you enjoyed this episode, do leave us a review and come and join the community on Instagram at spindrift underscore podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future guests. Thanks for listening and see you next time.